Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We continue in our series, Love Letters from the Lord, as we are joined by the Reverend Dr. John Guest. Pastor John will be preaching on the church in Sardis and encouraging us to get on with the work that God has for us to do. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Let's talk to the Lord together. Just close your eyes to shut out any distraction. Lord Jesus, speak to us your words of love, even tough words of love that we need to hear. Give us tender hearts, willing spirits to follow along, to hear what you have to say. If we have ears to hear, let us hear, Lord, what you say to us. So to that end, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, we have deliberately called these love letters because... Jesus loves you. As he loved the church in Sardis, which, by the way, was the capital city of a state known as Lydia, part of what is now Turkey, a brilliant city set up on a hill, more like a cliff with only one way in. That was on the south side of that hill. The rest of it you couldn't scale. So they felt pretty secure, Sardis. And John, and we need to catch this, was in really tough circumstances, John the Apostle, on the Isle of Patmos, which sounds like a vacation spot to us today, but was a barren rock in that day, something like a refugee in a cave, hiding from the heat of the sun. I've been in that cave. And God reveals to him his message for a series of churches, seven of them, that were in western Turkey. So presumably there were people who maybe got to Patmos that he could give this message to, to take back to the churches. But his circumstance was really grim. And that's a word to us. We don't have to have everything together and life be absolutely hunky-dory, as we used to say, perfect, perfect family, bills paid, great health, everything going well in order for God to communicate to us and speak to us. John was in very difficult, painful circumstances. That was the description you heard. And God spoke to him with a message for some other folks. But that message for other folks, by God's Spirit working here this morning, will be a message to us, speaking to us. He knows us, as he knew these people. In fact, that opening statement to the angel of the church in Sardis writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. In the language of the Bible, seven is the number of perfection. 
So it's a symbolic statement that Jesus, who's the one giving the message, is the ultimate spiritual perfection of all that God is. And he holds these seven churches, the seven stars, in his hand. So they're not distant and remote to him. They're like up close, right there, and he's looking at them. And from the perfection of all that he is, in his love and knowledge of them, he's speaking to them. So this is what he says. I know your deeds. I know you. And this is what he says to each of the churches, and what he says to each of us. I know you. I ran into a guy here this morning with his wife who I hadn't seen for years. So much so that I must have looked a lot older to him as he looked to me. Us old people greet each other and wonder who each other is anymore. <laughs> Did you know that? It's coming your way if you live that long. <laughs> I went up to him and said, I know you. God says, I know you. That's a scary thought in some respects. But what, what is really great is you're not lost in the crowd. You're not a nondescript. You're not a no-name. You are known by him. But what he has to say is a little blood-curdling. It starts off by saying that I know that you have the reputation of being alive. Isn't it good to have a good rep, a good reputation? Our reputation at Christ Church is not a bad reputation. It's not as good as it might be, but it's not a bad one. Most of us who are a part of it are thrilled to be a part of it. Some of you are still weighing whether you really want to be a part of it. I mean, like, get in with blood and guts and be a part of the team here, which would be a great move on your part. But you don't want to join yourself to some sort of has-been crowd. So you have to be somewhat impressed to belong. I mean, like, I want to be a part of that family. This was the kind of church that on the surface you'd say, I'd, I'd, I'd like in with these guys. They've got a good reputation. To get a good reputation, you've obviously done something great in the past that people know about, that you are recognizably that cool gathering of people. This church, by the way, was not a building. They didn't build buildings until the 4th century, and this is early in the 1st century, because the church was being persecuted. That's why John was on Patmos in a, a cave on a barren island. No, the church was a gathering, which is what the word literally means, ecclesia, a gathering of people. And he's speaking to the gathering of believers in Sardis. As I said, the capital city of a state called Lydia as part of greater Turkey today. And he says, I know you, and I know you have a good reputation, but... And then the other shoe drops... You are dead. Nothing there. It's all facade. You are dead. And whatever, clearly there's something good going on because he says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. It's kind of like Paul when he spoke to his disciple, Timothy. He said, fan to a flame the embers of what God has done in your life. 
In other words, get fired up about this. Don't just let it sit there like a dying ember. Strengthen what remains, said Jesus, speaking to the church in Sardis. Fan it to a flame. So there was something good going on. But in general, he said, you're not what you present yourself to be and what your reputation is. And he knew. Now, when he says something tough, he's saying it because he loves us. You know, you you kids out there may not realize that we parents are often hesitant to say something tough to you because we don't want to disengage and hurt you, maybe in some way scar you by addressing you as you really, somebody needs to talk to you, tell you what's going on. A lot of parents don't do that. They just say, keep keep saying nice things and we really do need to hear some tough things the Lord was not afraid to speak boldly to them as he would speak to us and even as he's speaking to them do you hear him speaking to you do you know what a good reputation looks like you've done some good stuff in the past You don't mind talking about it. You love people to know about it. And even in identifying with a group like, whether it's F3, which is a fabulous men's movement. It's like a guy's guy's kind of a deal. They get up early in the morning and do exercises and uh, eat a real meal and, you know, challenge each other to be real guys for God. It's a good scene. So if you're part of F3, man, you know, like you're muscular Christians. It's a good reputation. But you know the real deal. And better than that, the Lord knows the real deal. And he's not afraid to address us. So the first thing he does say is strengthen what remains and is about to die. And it's interesting, he goes on to say this, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. He's saying you've got a lot of unfinished business. You started out well. You started to be something. You started to get something done. You made some kind of commitment to some other guys, girls, to the Lord, to a group, to a youth group. To friends at school, you made some hardcore commitments, but you haven't followed through. In fact, he talks about soiling our garments. There are yet some of you who haven't soiled your garments, your, your robes that you get when you believe in Jesus. Like that. I'll, I'll speak about that in a moment. But you can soil your garments in two ways. By what you do that's wrong... On what you leave undone that you should get done. And that was, the, that was what he's describing here. What you've left undone, what's incomplete. The sins of omission, as well as the sins of commission. The stuff that we leave undone. The commitments we make that we don't follow through on. 
Listen to this. I'll put this in context. Really real for you today. We are headed toward Holy Week. So we've been praying and having these midweek prayer gatherings that are pretty exciting right here in this room. And we've been talking about prayer with the anticipation that God's going to provide our next leader, for instance, do stuff in our own life, change our nation. Big prayers and little prayers, big stuff and little stuff. The Lord's interested in it all. But as we head toward Holy Week, that is like the mountain of God's goodness. Because it starts with Palm Sunday and we'll do the Palm Sunday thing here. And then on Monday, Thursday, Thursday, we'll have a living Last Supper performed here right in this space as well. Remember the very first communion service and be a part of it here in this space as well. And then on Good Friday, called Good, because that's when God got the good work done of rescuing us from all our crap and filth and sin and death and hell with Jesus on the cross. We'll spend three hours, that'll be in the other side in the sanctuary with orchestra, choir, and each of the pastors dealing with the last statements of Jesus from the cross, the most powerful service of the year. If you've never experienced it, make it Friday evening. Then Saturday evening of Easter weekend, over in the other side, another big service, and then Sunday morning. It's a big deal. Jesus dying, walking out of the grave alive, and accomplishing a moment in history in one weekend of his life that still is the power to change the world one person at a time. What are you going to do about that week? Just turn up? How about praying about bringing someone with you whether it's to the living Last Supper, to the three hours at the cross, or to the celebration of the resurrection Saturday night or Sunday. We've actually got some tickets prepared to give out to invite to that Friday night service. To invite someone. Get that in your mind. Because you know people who you have a sense of responsibility toward, may have been praying for, certainly need to begin to pray for, who you are the one in their lives who could invite them into the drama and the dynamic of that phenomenal weekend that we celebrate here. We're praying about it, planning for it, working at it. You're coming along for the ride or bringing someone with you? That's a single focus that you could take away from this morning and saying, Lord, that's one thing I don't want to leave undone. That's one person I don't want to leave behind. In any case, he goes on to use two fabulous, dynamic, word pictures 
that are allegorical of the sum total of his love for us. With these soiled clothes, with the failure to live up to all that we once looked like and behaved like, and somehow have just drifted into a nondescript lifestyle. He's got these two images. Let me read the words and then talk about them. As he says here, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Here are the images. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes, like them, will be dressed in white. I will never blot out his singular name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. The two images of being dressed in white. The question is asked later in this book of Revelation, who are these who are dressed in white? And the answer is, these are they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's code. The blood of the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It cost him his life on the cross. And it's through that death on the cross that we can come with our soiled clothing and be redressed, reclothed in righteousness, dressed in white. Some of you put on those robes years ago and they've gotten soiled. Come on back to Jesus. Some of you have never gotten those robes on. But it's imagery. Coming to Jesus at the cross where he paid for the whole filthy, stinking, rotten mess of your life. All the stuff you are so deeply ashamed of as well as the rest of it. To clothe you again in the beauty of his innocence. And that second picture of the book of life, again, which later is described as the Lamb's book of life. It's about Jesus again. He is the Lamb of God, who through his death on the cross, as you give yourself to him, gets to write your name, individual, singular, your name, Not just a group name like, hey church, but your name in the Lamb's book of life. And just as you've not been ashamed of him, he'll not be ashamed of you, but present you to his father by name. That's imagery. He really knows you. He really loves you. He really died for you. He really wants your name in that book that'll never get blotted out. Two very strong images. Jesus is at the center. It's the blood of the Lamb and the book of the Lamb. Dying with him at the cross and being made new and clean and forgiven. 
and robed in his righteousness with your name in his book. And then he goes on to say, if you've got ears to hear, listen. In other words, pin back your ears. Get this, get this. And if this is a moment that God is speaking to you, deal with it. You may never get this moment again. If this is really right at you and you know this is about you and God is speaking to you and you know what it is you've got to get done, do it. It may be simply to come to him and to begin again. It's never too late. It is never too late. The message of this, because this is God appealing to a whole host of people, granted one at a time, it's never too late. You are never too old. You are never too messed up. You are never too young. And you are never too inconsequential to Jesus. So get it put right now. Get your name in his book. Clothe yourself. Let him clothe you. That's a better way to put it with his beauty and innocence. Walk out of here, the new person, with his new name upon you. Just as Pastor Doug was leading you in prayer earlier, nobody else should be able to name you. And some of you are wearing false names that you've put on yourself or somebody else has. Let him give you that new name that's your name, his name for you, and you belong to him, and it's that personal. Because God is not finished with you yet. What's your wake-up call? That's my question. Have you had a wake-up call recently? Because this is, wake up! Get up! Get it done! It's like staccato. Like, bang, like the drummer here. Boom, 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 boom. God driving it home. My wife and I had a wake-up call about 18 months ago. Literally, literally. We were driving from Tennessee, where we'd gone to a granddaughter's graduation, back to Pittsburgh. We're on 79. We feel like we're nearly home once we get to West Virginia. And we're going over the mountain, 79. Some of you know the road really well. Headed north, top of the speed limit. I'm nodding off. And I pull over, and I say to Kathy, my wife, you drive, I need to take a break and take a nap. I get in the passenger seat and go to sleep. Got the pillow, my pillow, got the pillow, sleeping up in there. Kathy's driving, guess what? She falls asleep. My sister, listen, excuse me, my daughter sister in Christ, but my daughter just reminded us this week of what that image was to her of her mum and dad sitting in the front seat of our Toyota Camry careening up 79 at over 70 miles an hour, both of us fast asleep. And our wake-up call was when we hit the curve like this, we run into, it was not a guard rail, but guard wires. There are some right on 79 out here as you head from south from this Mount Nebo entrance. The wake-up call was, 
as we're plowing down the stands that are holding those wires. Man, you wake up paralyzed and you realize that there are just these cables holding you from oncoming traffic on the other side and if you got through that into this chasm goodbye John and Kathy is that a wake up call when we got home the car by the way was destroyed totaled our daughter said God obviously has something for you to do we were uninjured unmarked unjerked around didn't need a chiropractor or a bone doctor thank you Jesus God is not finished with us yet nor you nor you nor you but the wake up call what does he have to do to get your attention to get you to move on with him to get stuff sorted out that's between you and him let's close our eyes again bow our heads so here we are Lord one more time and here you are one more time speaking to us so whether you're watching via the internet or listening right now face to face God speaks to you wake up remember repent come on home fan to a flame those dying embers of your spiritual life fan to a flame the embers of that mission I have for you to get done in this life and as you say that to us Lord only by your grace can we make the move we need your help please Lord please Lord this time as we hear you speak and you've given us ears to hear help us to hear what you've said this morning and get things put straight we pray in your name Lord Jesus Amen Amen